Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. This episode deals with graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. You cut off his arms, you cut off his legs, you cut off his head. How could you miss his dick? Hamilton, Ontario, 1946. A headless human torso is discovered by a group of children. A dead baby is found in a suitcase. And a beautiful young woman is sent to prison for murder. But after serving only 11 years of a life sentence, she is released and given a new identity and a whole new life, courtesy of the National Parole Board. And then she simply disappears. I'm Catherine Fogarty, and in this podcast, I'm bringing Evelyn Dick back to life, the irresistible femme fatale who was the central figure in one of the most shocking murder cases in Canadian history. This is Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? Episode 6, Tightening the Noose. Not guilty, said the attractive brunette standing in the walnut-paneled prisoner's box of the Hamilton Courthouse on October 7th, 1946. It was the first day of the John Dick murder trial, and hundreds of spectators had lined up for hours hoping to get a seat inside the courtroom, or at least catch a glimpse of the famous accused as she was led into the Greystone building. Newsmen and photographers from all the major dailies also jockeyed for the best vantage point outside the 70-year-old courthouse, since they had been banned from the inside. Wearing a fashionable black dress, a sequin-studded skullcap, and bright red lipstick, Evelyn Dick looked more like a movie star than an accused murderer as she stood to answer to the charges against her. And thanks to a fellow prisoner at the Barton Street Jail, reportedly a French hairdresser, the young widow's dark hair was perfectly coiffed. 
But there was one marked difference about her appearance. The petite and glamorous defendant had gained considerable weight, at least 25 pounds, during her six-month incarceration. Her 26th birthday was just six days away, and she was now on trial for her life. Only nine women had been hung in Canada during the past century. But if she was found guilty of murder, Evelyn Dick would likely become the 10th. Accompanying Evelyn on the first day of her trial was her new Hamilton lawyer, John Sullivan, a tall, good-looking man in his early 40s. Evelyn had fired her previous lawyer, Walter Tucci, but Tucci would remain Donald McLean's defense attorney. Representing the Crown was Timothy Rigney from Kingston, Ontario, who was often called in on high-profile cases. He was considered the best prosecutor in Ontario at the time. The presiding judge would be Justice Fred Barlow. As the trial got underway, Crown Attorney Rigney announced he would try Evelyn first. Once her trial was concluded, he would then try the other two accused, Donald McLean and Bill Bohozak, together. Evelyn would face an all-male jury, since most Canadian provinces still did not accept female jurors. With the jury in place, Rigney called a string of witnesses, the police who had recovered the torso, and the detectives who had searched Evelyn's Carrick Avenue house and Donald McLean's Rosalind Avenue home. Next on the stand was Mrs. Anna Kammerer, who was married to John Dick's cousin. John had been living with the Camerers before his disappearance, and Anna was able to identify the bloody clothing found to be what John was wearing when she last saw him on the morning of March 6th. She also identified his blood-stained black Oxford shoes that had been later found in Donald McLean's basement. The Crown also called William Landick to the stand to repeat what he had told the police about lending Evelyn Dick the Packard sedan, on March the 6th. He described for the jury the state of the car when it was returned later that day. It was covered in mud, had a damaged running board, and there was a pool of blood on the front seat. The seat covers and a blanket were missing, and Landig had found a stained, ragged sweater in the back seat. A blood-stained tie was also discovered in the car at a later date. With respect to Evelyn's movements with the car, a young man who had been renting a room at the Carrick Avenue address stated he had watched Evelyn from an upstairs window trying to back the Packard into her garage on the evening of March the 6th. But she kept hitting the running board against the side of the garage. He had gone outside and offered to help, but was told to go back in the house by Evelyn's mother. So he never did see what was in the car. Several of Evelyn's neighbors also testified to seeing her trying to maneuver the car into the garage that same night. Next on the stand was Dr. Dedman. With a professional medical detachment, the Hamilton pathologist described the dismemberment and decapitation of the torso. The head had been severed just above the fifth neck vertebrae. 
and the lacerations to the flesh on the torso indicated that the limbs had been severed with a saw instead of a knife. Rough dismemberment such as this, said Dr. Dedman, did not require experience or knowledge. Under cross-examination by Evelyn's lawyer, Dedman confirmed it would have taken a strong, muscular individual at least half an hour of continuous sawing to remove the arms, legs, and head. Crown attorney Rigney then asked the doctor how long it would have taken to empty the body of all its blood since that was the state of the torso when it was discovered. Dr. Dedman said that depending on the position of the torso, it would have taken only an hour or two. The city pathologist also gave evidence concerning the ashes collected from Evelyn's Carrick Avenue home. He confirmed that human teeth and bone fragments had been discovered amongst the ashes and that the bone fragments coincided with the missing body parts. Dr. Demon also confirmed that bloodstains discovered in the Packard sedan and on all the other evidence gathered from Evelyn's home and Donald McLean's house were human blood type O, the same as John Dix. The next witness's demeanor was a significant departure from the concise medical testimony of Dr. Dedman. Ralph Oakes, age 11, was testifying about a uniform cap he had found underneath a railway bridge the previous spring. He wanted to keep it, but his mother, having read about the murder of a local streetcar driver, insisted he take it to the police. Although it was missing a numbered steel badge that would have confirmed its owner, it was the same size of cap that John Dick wore. For Hamiltonians, every day of the trial brought more intrigue and excitement. Witness testimony was deciphered and debated in all of the local bars and coffee shops. Public opinion was divided. Did she or didn't she? By the third day of the trial, the crowds outside the courthouse were reported to be in the thousands when word spread across the city that Alexandra McLean, Evelyn's mother, would be taking the stand that afternoon. The plain, grey-haired grandmother had already negotiated a deal with the Crown Attorney's Office, and she would be protected under the Canadian Evidence Act. In other words, any evidence she gave could not be used against her. Mrs. McLean began her testimony by reiterating her strong disapproval of Evelyn's marriage to John Dick because he had no money. She then described the couple's brief marriage and constant quarreling until John left for good on February the 3rd. Mrs. McLean stated her last conversation with her son-in-law took place on March the 5th when he phoned to borrow some money, which she refused to loan him. Asked to recall Evelyn's movements on March 6th, Mrs. McLean testified that her daughter had left the house around 1.30 and had returned at 6 p.m. driving the black Packard sedan. Mrs. McLean watched as her daughter tried to back the car into the garage, which she found strange since Evelyn had never used the garage before. Having no success, Evelyn took off in the car and returned later that night around 8 p.m., 
Two days later, Mrs. McLean took her granddaughter Heather to watch John Dick's streetcar pass by on his regular route. The little girl liked to wave at him. But John was not driving that day. When Mrs. McLean told Evelyn that John was not on his streetcar route, Evelyn snapped at her mother and told her that she would never see John Dick again. Why? asked Mrs. McLean. Has something happened to him? Has he been killed? Yes, said Evelyn to her mother. John Dick is dead, and you keep your mouth shut. A collective gasp could be heard around the courtroom, and then all eyes turned to the woman sitting in the prisoner's box. Evelyn showed no reaction to the damning testimony her mother had just given. But in a letter written a few days later, Evelyn told her mother that she looked nice on the witness stand and praised her for not breaking down during her testimony. For the next few days, the Crown called more witnesses to testify. Other medical experts confirmed that the bone and teeth fragments found were indeed human, and one witness even suggested that it would have been helpful to exhume the body to compare the bones and the saw marks. But John Dick's torso was never unearthed and re-examined. The jury had heard a lot about the physical evidence collected by the police, and most of it pointed directly at the accused being involved in the murder of John Dick. But they still hadn't heard from Evelyn directly. Her lawyer, John Sullivan, wanted Evelyn's multiple statements to the police excluded from testimony. He knew they would be extremely damaging for his client. He argued that they had been obtained improperly, but Justice Barlow disagreed. With the statements in, Evelyn's lawyer decided to focus on the way the statements had been obtained and questioned the professionalism of the police officers involved. Specifically, Sullivan scrutinized the friendship between Detective Sergeant Clarence Preston and Evelyn. Preston had known Evelyn's father for years and was familiar with the accused. Was it not a fact that during her police interviews, the sergeant had enticed her with chocolate bars, cigarettes, and magazines to try to keep her talking. And what about the photograph, asked the lawyer. Preston had to admit that he had posed for a photograph with the doe-eyed Evelyn looking up at him for the Hamilton Spectator newspaper. Had the senior middle-aged detective gotten too close, too friendly with the accused to gain her trust and obtain information from her? Judge Barlow didn't think so, and ruled that the statements Evelyn gave were voluntary and thereby admissible. That evening, the Toronto Star got the scoop and ran the full manuscript of Evelyn Dick's first statement to the police. Mobsters slew him, announced the bold headlines. The following day, Sunday, October 13th, was Evelyn's 26th birthday. Cards, flowers, and expensive gifts arrived at the Barton Street Jail for its famous resident. But despite the momentary accolades and well wishes, it was looking like Mrs. Dick might not be alive to see her next birthday. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Monday, October 14th was the Thanksgiving holiday, but the citizens of Hamilton seemed to have more on their minds than turkey and pumpkin pie. Crowds began forming at 6.30 in the morning, and by mid-afternoon, there were over 2,000 people waiting to get into the courthouse or at least catch a glimpse of the accused. Some days, Evelyn arrived in a police car, and on other days, a taxi. And according to the newspaper, there was fierce competition amongst the drivers over who would get the fare. But whoever's cab she did get into, Mrs. Dick was always courteous and even autographed her picture for some of the local cabbies. Over the next two days, any spectators lucky enough to get a seat in the courtroom heard all four of Evelyn's contradictory and confusing statements she had given to the police. But the question on everyone's mind was whether Evelyn would take the witness stand in her own defense. And if she did, which story would she stick with? Was John Dick murdered by an Italian mobster out for revenge? Or was it her casual lover, Bill Bohozik? And how was her father involved? 
Or would she finally come clean and tell the truth about her involvement in her husband's grisly demise? My lord, the defense is not offering any evidence, said John Sullivan, Evelyn's lawyer. Evelyn would not be taking the stand at her murder trial. And with the defense lawyer's statement, Judge Barlow then declared the case closed. On Wednesday, October 16th, the final day of the trial, Evelyn's lawyer attempted to have her murder charge reduced to being an accessory after the fact. The judge denied his request. Then, in what sounded like sheer desperation, Sullivan suggested that the torso found on Hamilton Mountain might not even be the remains of John Dick. The judge disagreed. Following his last-ditch efforts, John Sullivan then addressed the 12 male jurors for two and a half hours. Portraying his client as childlike and naive, he claimed that she lived in a world of fantasy in which she dreamed of raising her station in life. She was a pretty, photogenic woman who had never worked a day in her life. And according to him, her contradictory statements to the police did not show deceit, but rather a young woman of questionable mental capacity who had suffered from a very unhappy home life. Sullivan then questioned the testimony of Mrs. McLean and asked the jury to contemplate why a mother would testify against her own daughter. With respect to most of the physical evidence, Sullivan said it was suspicious that there was so much evidence lying around the Carrick Avenue house that connected Evelyn to the murder of her husband. Why would a guilty person be so careless? And he pointed out that it would have been impossible for his petite client, this little girl, as he referred to her as, to either have carried John Dick's body or cut it up. While he admitted that his client was likely connected to the crime after the fact, nothing could prove she had murdered John Dick. Hamilton playwright and producer Brian Morton. Other than the fact of her driving that Packard sedan, there's nothing that links her to this crime. It's all circumstantial. To convict somebody of murder, you must provide motive, opportunity, you must provide a logical timeline of events and and show how this is what happened. You have to kind of tell a narrative, right? And they could never tell a narrative that was convincing. While Sullivan's impassioned speech had the attention of everyone in the courtroom, his client sat passively, sketching on a pad of paper in front of her, and at one point covered her mouth to conceal a yawn. In his final remarks, Sullivan concluded that Evelyn Dick had no reason to kill her husband. Any of the usual motives of money, love, or passion just didn't exist in this case. Therefore, in his opinion, the jury should return with a verdict of not guilty. Up next was Crown Prosecutor Timothy Rigney, and he did not need as much time to address the jury. His comments would be brief and he intended on using Evelyn's own words against her. As expected, he reiterated Alexandra McLean's testimony about Evelyn telling her that John Dick was dead and to keep her damn mouth shut. Her own mother thinks she did it, said the prosecutor. 
And in one of her statements to the police, Evelyn said she wasn't going to take the rap for John Dick's murder alone. Are those the words of an innocent person? Rigney asked. It was clear that Evelyn had an affinity for lying and had told numerous wild stories to try to confuse the police and blame others, but it didn't work. In closing, Rigney urged the jury to consider the evidence and return a verdict of guilty. It had been a long day in the courtroom, but Judge Barlow would have the last say. In his 50-minute address to the jury, Barlow talked about how the case had been subjected to considerable newspaper notoriety, but the jury should not be prejudiced by gossip and hearsay. After reading the criminal code and defining murder for the jury, the judge said, If you conclude that the accused Evelyn Dick killed her husband intentionally, then she is guilty of murder. Or if you conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that she did not actually shoot John Dick, but aided and abetted Behozuk in the murder, then she is just as guilty as the person who fired the shot. Barlow said the jury had two choices in their verdict, guilty of murder or not guilty, and the decision had to be unanimous. With those final words, the jury filed out of the courtroom to begin their deliberations. Evelyn was escorted to a dingy room down the hall where she would await her fate. But she didn't have to wait long. It was just before 6 p.m. when the jury announced that they were ready to return their verdict. They had been out less than two hours. All eyes were on Evelyn as she was escorted back into the courtroom. She glanced at her attorney, Mr. Sullivan, and gave him a faint smile. But there were no smiles on the jury's faces as they filed back into their seats. Gentlemen of the jury, have you reached your verdict? asked a solemn Judge Barlow. We have, replied the jury foreman. Do you find Evelyn Dick on the charge of murder guilty or not guilty? Guilty, with a recommendation of mercy, said the foreman. The now-convicted killer showed no reaction. Evelyn Dick, stand up, ordered the judge. Asked if she had anything to say, she quickly replied that she wanted her case appealed. Evelyn Dick, said Barlow, the sentence of this court is that you be taken from here to the place whence you came and there be kept in close confinement until the 7th day of January in the year 1947. And upon that date that you be taken to the place of execution and that you be hanged by the neck until you are dead. And may the Lord have mercy on your soul. On the next episode of Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? While Evelyn awaits her date with death, the trials of Bill Bohozik and Donald McLean begin. But will anyone else be convicted of the murder of John Dick? And after testifying against her, can Evelyn's mother save her only daughter from the hangman? In December of 1945, she's been convicted to hang. They're building the gallows down at the Barton Street Jail. She's going to 
go to her death. And her mother somehow raises some money, I think it's by selling some jewelry, and manages to hire this Toronto lawyer, J.J. Robinette, who at that point had no criminal experience whatsoever. Evelyn, oh Evelyn, it's been a very long time since you went away from here. Your cigarette and big doe eyes. Your cigarette and big doe eyes. Evelyn, oh Evelyn, Dick, you were so pretty. Just a little bit sick. Tell me one thing. How could you, Mrs. Dick? How could you, Mrs. Dick? Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? is written and produced by Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers Music. The song Evelyn Dick is written and performed by Mark McNeil. A special thank you to Mark McNeil and Brian Morton. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. For more information on this episode and other podcasts, visit us at storyhunterpodcasts.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.